the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And today joining me, we've got Scott Jennings from Pantry. Welcome, Scott. Hey, Richard. Glad to be here. Yeah, great to have you on the show. And actually, I'll give a quick shout out to uh, Matthew Gonzalez, who uh, both is a regular listener, but also a f- mutual friend who introduced us and uh, has collaborated with both of us, I think, over the years. And Scott, you're doing something right now called Pantry. Um, right. We haven't done a lot of consumer products on the show. We've been focusing on you know, production, compliance, legal issues, a lot of talk a lot recently about the election. Um, but, you know, with all of the, with the election and some of the changes coming, of course, there's going to be more and more availability of uh, products to consumers in more states. How did you get going and what made you focus on the B2C end of the markets? Yeah, thanks for that question. So, you know, I really came at this as a consumer. Right. I think we've all had been up and down on the roller coaster of life. And this year has been harder than most. But, you know, cannabis has always been a wellness thing for me. And I've always kind of said, you know, wow, I feel so much better on cannabis than on alcohol. It's not really, you know, you don't have to substitute one for the other. But I could tell during my week and workouts that I'd feel better. And so when legalization happened in California, you know, I went in the store and I said, look, I'd love to switch off smoking. Right. Like, the only thing I knew buying when growing up the last two decades was whatever the guy had. Right. And, and you didn't really have options. And now with legalization, you have a, you know, an explosion of options. But when I went to the food section, you know, it resembled a lot of what traditional food, you know, started out as, and, and it was high processed products, right. That weren't that good for me. And so uh, I call it candy, right. That's why I don't even like the edible word. And so, Talking to my partner and others, I said, you know, is there a market for better for you products? And I certainly desired to have those. And after socializing it a little bit, you know, we said that there is. And so that was kind of the light bulb moment to, to move forward with Pantry. Interesting. Interesting. And, uh, you know, looking at your site, I see there's, you know, three prime products up there, two of which are vegan. Is that a, was it just happenstance that they were vegan or were you, was that a concerted effort on your part to develop vegan products? Yeah, we're very, very conscious about the products we put forward. So we're following, you know, the tradition, we're following the new food trends that we see, right? Whether it's yep. keto or vegan or gluten-free or, you know, we're not even, it's probably not advertised right there on the front page, but aller, allergy-free, allergenic-free, right? So, right we are listening to consumers and consumers are being more mindful about what they're putting in their body. And it's not necessarily a diet, it's a lifestyle choice. So vegans, uh, one of the big ones. And honestly, when you connect, you know, plant-based nutritious food with the powerful benefits of, you know, the cannabis plant, you know, it makes a a strong argument for, you know, plant medicine uh, as a whole. And so, you know, we're leaning into that. We're not strict vegan, um, uh, brand, but we do understand that demographic and we want to make products available for those consumers so they don't feel alienated that they have to have, you know, gelatin or they have to smoke um, to cut, kind of open up the market and, you know, uh, attract in new consumers. Yeah, no, that that's excellent. And yeah, it's the, I mean, the food trend has really been interesting. It's, 
I was uh, surprised to learn myself a, a while ago that uh, you know the person who's won the world's strongest man the last few years has been vegan for most of his life. That's um, crazy. Which is what right? people you know people associate don't associate strength and power with uh, veganism. So that was that was quite interesting. So <clears throat> your distribution. You're available in California, you're expanding into Colorado, and then you've done something, is it a branded um, white label brand, or is it something, in, how are you doing Canada? Because I noticed you've marked on your site you're going to be entering into Canada shortly. Yeah, we're, you know, we're really focused on that brand IP, the product development and the consumer, right? And so, yep. you know, everywhere we go, whether it's Colorado or Canada, we find a local partner who you know, really focuses on the manufacturing side, but also shares a vision with us that they want to make healthier products. Um, so Denalio up in Canada is a fantastic group. Uh, we actually have a, you know, a backdated relationship with them, with my partner, and we're excited to be expanding to Colorado and Canada, but we're trying to take you know, one step at a time instead of trying to launch all the states at once, which we've seen you know, not work out so well. Right, yeah, no, I mean, uh... You can bite off more than you can chew, not to put a bad pun in place. <laughs> so um, tell me about the the channels that you're using to market and the consumers you're actually reaching. So, you know, I, I noticed you talk a lot about <clears throat> reducing inflammation and working through, you know, the, and when we're talking, in, you know, before you're talking a lot about the health benefits and the like. Um, obviously a product like this, people first associate with the adult use market as opposed to the medical, but it looks like you're trying to address more of the wellness issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it on the head. I mean, you know, cannabis can be for recreational use, nothing wrong with that. I've smoked plenty of joints and enjoyed that part of the, you know, use spectrum a lot, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's something to be said about food as medicine and cannabis as medicine and using it as part of your daily wellness routine to just feel good, right? And if you feel good and you take care of your body or your temple, you know, you'll be a better father, you'll be a better mother. And one of the things that I've had a tie with cannabis, you know, since the jump, but I didn't really understand it, right? I thought I was like, oh, just consuming recreationally. But after I got older and I reviewed my consumption habit, I said, wow, it's really like a, a nightly ritual to help me sleep. And then when you talk to other people that are suffering from insomnia or pain and you can help them, you know, sleep better or reduce pain, you're improving their quality of life, right? And by improving their quality of life, you're, they're going to end up being a better father, a better employee. And that, to me, that feedback is phenomenal, right? But it's not just the THC, right? It's the full the full cannabis plant, it's also other nutritious ingredients and adaptogens like valerian root and ashwagandha. And, you know, what's the true benefit to the consumer when you take, you know, ancient herbs that have been around for thousands of years that have these benefits and you combine it with something that for the last 70 years has been told it's a drug and it's harmful, but now we're learning that it could potentially be the most beneficial thing to our body. And by combining those two things, and then focusing on what the consumer is looking for, right? Whether it's sleep or pain or just, you know, a little taking off the edge for stress and anxiety. I mean, the consumer reports back to us are like, wow, this, you know, we thought cannabis was all about getting high. And, and we understand if we take a micro dose, you know, we actually feel better, but I'm not walking around stoned 
And that's kind of, you know, that just warms my heart because, you know, seeing people smile and improving their quality of life is like, I guess, one of the greatest joys I think in life. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, anytime you can help others and uh, do so consistently, it's incredibly rewarding. Now, you know, I notice that, you know, of the products you've got, two of them are balanced one-to-one THC to CBD. And the last one doesn't say, is it also a one-to-one? No, uh, we the bonbons? just tea. Yeah, the, the bonbons, we, all of our products started out with just THC. So, you know, my background's in finance. And when you get into a very complicated market like cannabis is, uh-huh. um, you know, you want to keep variables, try, you want to keep them low, right? And so we started with just THC. We always knew we were going to move to a balance. Uh, and what was fantastic about that was through my consumption habits and through talking to other consumers and actually looking at anecdotal evidence around the nation, consumers are speaking up that the one-to-one balance works really well for them. So we always wanted to go there. We just started with, with uh, THC products. And the bonbons had just THC, 5 milligrams, uh, completely undetectable by taste. People would have it, very savory taste flavor. Um, and they'd have it around dinner. Um, but you know, we always want to go to CBD and if I were to kind of peek ahead, head the road ahead, I'd say we'll, we'll always have a one-to-one ratio and probably move away from just THC products. Yeah, no, I mean, I see, uh, the market demand definitely, uh, looking for, there's a huge demand for the balanced products. There's of course going to continue to be a huge demand for the THC rich products as well. Um, you know, I'm seeing that with, uh, companies that are coming to us for supply along the way. So we have to take a break, but we'll be back in a minute with Scott Jennings with Pantry. I'm Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. Be right back. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 gardens centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak with Scott Jennings with Pantry. And Scott, you know, before the break, we're talking a bit about the, the products you're offering and how you uh, got to the market, but you know the for our listeners who, as I said, mostly have focused on the uh, the supply chain and the finance and everything else. To walk us through the registration of a a consumer distributed product. Obviously, it's not the same as you know when when uh, a, ma- a producer is producing or company is going through extraction and the different levels. But you can have a level of compliance, but also registration. I'm dealing with that in a couple of jurisdictions in uh, LATAM, and I'm sure in the U.S. with the uh, 
regulatory framework that's such a patchwork, it's a bit of a, a bit of a challenge. And of course, you're going through it, I guess, with Colorado again, since you did it in California already. Yeah, we're, you know, we're lucky not to be the license holders, right? So a lot of this responsibility falls on the license holders, and we work hand in glove with them to make sure everything's done correctly. And, you know, to think that they have it, you know, like the back of their hand, that's, you know, probably not what they have. You know, everybody's learning, right? And everybody's Mm -hmm. moving really fast. So, you know, we had opened up another manufacturer and we had launched, you know, some new SKUs. And, you know, you have to get new barcodes uh, on the back of your products or you have to, you know, make sure it's compliant with metric. And so, you know, there's a whole plethora of things that I actually, it's not the more sexy part of the job, but, you know, we've been compiling a to-do checklist of when we go to new markets. And what's funny is each market's different, right? So what we did in California is different in Nevada and Colorado. And one of the things that was interesting there is we have to put the THC symbol on each piece in Nevada and Colorado. And, you know, when we first, you know, had the idea for the brand and the products and the molds and the process, you know, we didn't really think that we'd have to be putting a THC symbol on each piece. And that kind of came back to, um, you know, provide some trouble. But, you know, all these regulations are there to protect the consumer. And you just got to read them and read the new ones coming out and work with your partners to make sure you check them off the list and everything's taken care of. Absolutely. Now, you know, you said it's your partners who are doing the distribution, but you're still manufacturing. And we're actually, we're actually not. We're, you okay. know, the way that I, I saw the market developing, because before I started Pantry, I was investing in vertically integrated operators, right? And All right. so what you saw was that, you know, large manufacturers that suck up, you know, more than your capital that you have, they would then launch a brand, right? Mm -hmm. And what was, you can't launch a brand with the leftover pennies or the pennies you hope to have, right? So I saw a lot of manufacturers try to launch brands, but it was really just a product with a name on it. And so I said, okay, I want to focus directly on the consumer. I want to focus directly on the brand. And I know that if I own the kitchen, right? If I go for the kitchen Mm -hmm. and have to put out that capital, it's going to take away from my focus on the consumer and the brand. So we went completely asset light. We don't own the manufacturing. We don't own the distribution. We don't own an e-commerce license or a retail license. And the plus and minus of that is you give up control, right? Because you have to, you know, depend on your partners to do everything in, in the license supply chain, but you also gain back control and capital to focus on, you know, what we think is the most important, which is the consumer and the products uh, and how we educate and how we engage because, you know, you have to get new consumers, you know, over to the market and that education piece can't be your leftover change. And I've seen a lot of manufacturers do that. And it's just funny because in traditional spaces, you don't see the, you know, the bar starting the, the beer brand and the beer brand starting the distributor. And it's, it creates too many conflicts of interest. And I think as cannabis matures, you'll see people start to stick to their lanes a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. So you get the manufacturers to manufacture on your behalf in conjunction with the, the distributors at that point. So you're working through that path, but to develop the recipes and to register those, do you deal with that at all? Or are you purely focused on the brand itself? 
No, we have a very robust uh, internal product development um, okay. process. And so we, you know, we work with chefs and nutritionists and scientists and doctors and, mm-hmm. and consumers. And we say, you know, get all that feedback together and what kind of products should we make? And so before we even get to cannabis, we're making it, you know, in our small kitchens, right? The chefs making and bringing these samples. I've got a ton of samples on me now that are matcha bites and, and butterfly PT bites and golden milk, right? And so we do a lot of R&D testing outside of anything with cannabis because we want to make great products. Cannabis is just an ingredient, right? So mm-hmm. great products with the addition, later addition of cannabis, and then we take those SOPs uh, and that process and those ingredients and we bring it to our manufacturers. We do a very detailed cross-training and then we start to hand it off to them they do small R&D batches. They say, hey, is this meeting your requirements? We say it is or it isn't. And then once we get to a place where we think that they have uh, adequately been trained to make the quality of products that our chefs are coming up with, uh, we hand the ball off, we go to scale, and then we start pushing it out to the market. Right. So, and, and that's where I was going with it is at that point, though, as you, you know, you're working with your chefs, you're working with everybody about developing the, the recipes and formulations. Do you have to deal with any product registrations? I mean, we registered the product through, you'll have to forgive me, for the barcodes, right? So everything right. that you have in the traditional market has a barcode on it. And yeah. so we had to register that with the national database uh, and quite frankly, it was our first time because the first time around, our first manufacturer did that for us. And when we opened up another manufacturer and launched other products, they said, hey, that's something you should do and you should have control of. So we actually just had a call yesterday because it's not just registering the product. On the back end of that, there's so much information that registry will give you. And so they've been sending me emails about, you know, trends that they're seeing and, and developments and uh-huh. and uh insights and so yeah we registered but it it wasn't it wasn't anything big to be honest and and maybe i'm missing something but as far as i know we registered it was really easy and then when we have to manufacture or make it they're then gonna you know scan it into metrics so that it's compliant with the the cannabis regulations right okay so and there and so that way from a compliance perspective you don't have to you know your compliance has to deal with the the product distribution from the of the traceability and the tracking, but the recipe and the um, if there's a problem, it, it rests with the the manufacturer. Because every we all have to tie into different parts, and it's not a criticism in any way. It's just understanding for anybody who's looking at a B to C, you want to understand where are the boundaries, right? Do you have to go through the food at you know food and drug uh, administration at some point? because you're going to have a product on the shelves for consumers and you have to have that through or as a brand, do you have to, are you exempt from that because you're actually somebody else, the manufacturer is the I one mean, doing I would, all of that. I would take a step back and I would, you know, the lesson that I know is that the FDA is federal and if, yeah. the, if it's federal, then they're not participating. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't think these cannabis, as far as I know, maybe what we registered with the barcode is the federal database for the FDA, but uh, as far as I know that, you know, since they don't recognize cannabis, that you don't register it with them. But you're entering into Canada where it is legal and it has to go through that process. Oh, so that's completely different. I'm talking about 
uh, yeah. No, no, I'm just, it's because every market is different. And so I'm just wondering how you're going through it. Yes. Uh, in Canada, I'd have to get back to you. I don't know, but that's okay. where I'd rely on, you know, our partners at Denalio because they're mm -hmm. really the ones with the facility. They're the ones with the licenses. That's their home court. And so I rely on them to guide me to be compliant. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to support in whatever manner, but they're the ones with the licenses to, that have to make sure that we're compliant because they'll be on the hook at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. And I've come across Denalio a few times and uh, it's funny, their their name came up in a conversation yesterday and it's always been positive comments. So that's a, seems awesome. a good partner you've picked there. Um, we have to take another break, but we'll be back in a minute with Scott Jennings with Pantry. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. Hi everybody, we're back on the Green Peak with Scott Jennings uh, with Pantry. And Scott, we've gone through a fair bit of range so far in the conversation, but we haven't gone through the last mile, which is the actual distribution to the consumers uh, from the perspective of how do pr consumers um, get their hands on your product? It's not the same as walking into Safeway and picking some, something off the shelves, um, as we're, we're all well aware. Uh, but it's a challenge that uh, is different than most other products on the market in general. How do you make your products accessible? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, in California specifically, when you talk about, you know, the 30 million people versus the 800 plus or minus dispensaries, it's just not going to cut it, right? And mm -hmm. so uh, in addition to that, you have to remember that cannabis retail hasn't really fragmented out, right? So you have what I call, you know, sometimes a 7-Eleven, a smoke shop, and maybe a small piece of Whole Foods all wrapped into one shop. And so, you know, when I look at our, our vibe as our tribe, right, our, the wellness enthusiasts are our, our tribe, right? And when I go into a dispensary and I talk to the, the staff and I realize that their vibe and their tribe is really smoking, right, or high THC. And I said, well, hmm, this is maybe off brand or, or this is going to be hard. This is like trying to sell Johnny Walker at, you know, a winery, right? And that might be, you know, off. People are going there for wine. So Pantry realizes disconnect. And instead of trying to get, you know, retail staff to care about the wellness aspect and quality ingredients, we started doing our own pantry experiences, right? So we do our infused dinners where we invite uh, consumers to come and we do a guided experience, right? And so that is a hundred percent in our vibe and our tribe, right? Because people that are coming don't want to smoke at all. They're actually looking for new ways 
to benefit their health, and they're definitely not looking to pick up a joint, right? So uh, we do our experiences, and then after our experiences, we send people home with a gift bag, and we say, hey, if anybody needs anything, pantry's available for D to C, right? So you can just quickly go online in California, and you can get it delivered to the convenience of your home, and you can kind of avoid the stigma of going to a dispensary or potentially going to a dispensary and feeling like it doesn't align with you because you're going in there for quality ingredients. And when you say, hey, what should I get? And they say, well, this joint or this vape or this flower, and they may not be a smoker at all. Uh -huh. but you have to remember that the culture in there is 60 to 70 percent of sales are going to go to flower and vapes. Right. So it's a disconnect and we want to make it easier for consumers to get it at home. And we want to educate them and bring them together to kind of learn more about cannabis and the benefits of it uh, in a different environment that's authentic, where we can break bread and, and kind of experience it over the course of a meal, um, which is a much different experience for the consumer. Oh, absolutely. Very, very different experience. And that's so that's interesting. So as far as the, um, you know, as you're doing that outreach, what channels are you using to reach the, the consumer? Yeah, it's another promote great the question. brand and the support, right? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, cannabis is kind of boxing with one one arm behind your back because mm -hmm. they don't want to let you, you know, mark they don't want you to use traditional marketing channels, right? And so you've seen a lot of cannabis brands just go to billboards and other tactics. And so we've been A B testing a ton. And, you know, I think the conclusion is, and even when I look at my social circles, I think it's really the micro influencer route, right? I think if I find a vegan or if I find somebody that wants, you know, cacao, vegan chocolate, right? Or a really tasty bonbon or olive oil to cook at home, right? Like when we give our olive oil to a chef, he then turns around and tells five other chefs, right? And then you have, Absolutely. you know, the ripple effect. And so we love that micro influencer route because it's authentic, it's direct. Uh, and we also get to get, you know, feedback from the consumer or from the influencer and, you know, that's been, been a lot of joy to us and there's not a lot of uh, restriction around it. And so I think we're going to be scaling that up as we go forward. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. And, um, you know, I know even in, uh, even in countries which have adopted a uh, much more progressive regimen, advertising is impossible. And, uh, you know, social channels are, are one thing, the micro influence, you know, the influencers and the, a lot of one-to-one -one is the big way to, to spread the word. Um, billboards, of course, are, as you said, are, are seen in the state. They're not seen in a lot of other areas. Um, you know, are you, is there a big difference still from state to state? And this is a question completely out of ignorance. As you're entering California, uh, Colorado, are you going to have to adopt very different strategies or will the same strategies just translate over for you? I think it depends on what level you're looking to answer that question, right? On a high level, I think that we want to build a direct relationship with our consumer, right? Mm -hmm. On a more micro level in Colorado, you know, they don't have delivery yet, right? right. So, so that kind of takes away a big chunk of our, you know, game plan of making it easy and convenient for people to just order online. But, you know, we can still identify the right shops that lean to health and wellness that may be interested in opening up that market because, you know, you're going to have shops that are going to go in different ways. You may even have a shop that's all edibles at one day, right? So you want to find the leadership at certain retailers that align with your vision. 
and then you want to open them up. And so that would be a big difference for us in Colorado versus in California, where we really minimize our, our retail exposure in California. And without delivery being available in Colorado, we'll have to take a more, you know, heavier, medium-sized retail approach until delivery comes on. Right. That makes perfect sense. And that's, I think, the challenges for everybody in the market as you go, you know, each market is so different and fragmented and uh, faces different regulatory framework. It makes it incredibly difficult, but also the ones who crack that nut do incredibly well. So, Scott, we're out of time, but thank you for being on the show today. And thank, thank you, you to all, for all of our listeners for uh, listening and participating as well. I'm Richard Zwicky, The Green Peak, and we'll be back again next week. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.